Hello, welcome. We are the Sleep Mums. This is a podcast for parents by parents, all about baby sleep. Can you hear that? <laughs> Turn it down a bit, guys. As ever, keeping it real. So this week, we're talking naps. I promise they're not the unicorns of baby sleep. They do exist. I'm Kat Cuby, parenting junkie and broadcaster, and this is Sarah Carpenter, baby sleep expert. And, you know, you're also a wee bit like a unicorn because you're magic. <laughs> the silence. The silence of deafening me. <laughs> I've thought so ever since you helped me to get my kids sleeping and because you've got a horn. Together, we are The Sleep Mums. If you want to get in touch with us, drop us a message online at The Sleep Mums or on our website, thesleepmums.co.uk. As I mentioned, this week's podcast is all about naps. Five simple things that will help you help your baby to get better at the old disco naps. Parents often focus on nighttime sleep because that's the time we all want to get some shut eye. The thing is, the better sleep babies have during the day, the better they're actually going to sleep at night. So it's so important to get naps right. So I think they should be guarded as closely as the last hobnob in the biscuit tin. Okay, so the first thing to know about naps is when and how to put baby down for one. Sleep cues and having a nap time routine, basically a few things that you do that help to tell baby it's time for sleep, are the building blocks of great naps. So firstly, Sarah, what are sleep cues? Sleep cues are really important to observe and act on. They can vary a lot and they can also look very like hunger cues. Things that you are looking out for would be nestling into you, rooting, sucking your cheek, rubbing eyes and pulling on an earlobe. They're all the really kind of common sleep cues. The other one is rubbing baby when baby rubs head from left to right and possibly turns to the side and nuzzles in with the cheek against whatever they're lying on at the time. So those they are really like hungry cues. So it's hard it, to differentiate. Exactly. It's really, really difficult, especially in those first few weeks, for parents to actually see the difference between sleep cues and hunger cues. And it can be so confusing because the natural reaction when you see what you think is a hunger cue is to feed. And that's when you end up in the cycle that we talked about last week. So you need to really try hard to recognise your baby, your own baby's sleep cues and work on that and get ahead of the game by getting them down for the nap before they actually start to show overtired cues, which can be high-pitched crying and yawning. So you sort of have to be a bit ninja-like as a parent to kind of spot the cues, but get in there and get them to bed before they are overtired. As you know yourself, if you're overtired and trying to get to sleep, it's impossible. So you do want to get ahead of the game and get baby settled with their nap time routine before they get overtired. So your nap time routine would look something like a darkened room, a sleeping bag or swaddle, depending on baby's age, cot, Moses basket, depending on baby's age again, and then using your sleep aid, which could be white noise, shush noise, or singing. 
So a nap time routine is kind of like the steps that lead up to a nap that tell baby it's sleepy time. A wee bit like we all do before we go to bed, brush our teeth, get a glass of water, maybe read a book. You basically want to have a bunch of things in place that become so familiar that your little one knows exactly what's going to happen next. In fact, they know they're going to sleep before they actually do. It's really similar to having a bedtime routine, which is very important too, and we will totally come to that. But because naps are so important, we decided they needed an episode in their own right. The second thing you need to know about naps isn't actually about sleep. It's about awake time. So why does awake time matter? Because it can be the difference between a tired baby and an overtired baby. And that's not something you want to have to deal with. As you know yourself, if you've been overtired, it's just horrible. You get jumpy legs, you're restless. It's exactly the same for babies and children. You know, they just can't settle themselves. They get more and more and more irate. So they become hysterical with overtiredness but you don't want an understimulated baby either so again it's getting that balance as with so much of parenting you're looking for a balance you don't want an overstimulated baby or an understimulated baby so your awake time you really need to work on interaction that's when you would want to be using your facial expressions to stimulate your baby you don't need every flashing noisy toy in the book you just need yourself and a few simple things you know change of scene if you're sitting in a room that has light coming in one way move to another room and that in itself is enough stimulation to keep a baby awake for long enough and even when they're wee like a nappy change can be entertaining in itself it can be I mean be entertaining for adults too (laughs) (laughs) yeah what's that be yeah Um, But yeah, I mean, a nappy change for a tiny baby is like an hour's play for a six-month-old. So, you know, things that you're just doing as part of your day are actually huge things for those two-week-old babies. And I guess awake time is important and we'll come, we will talk about sort of schedules and routines uh, at a later point, but the amount of time between sleeps is important too. And that's where I guess a routine can come in handy. Yeah, you can't um, expect a baby to stay up as long between each feed or each nap as the day goes on. You know, your timings will change. And also, you know, a six-week-old baby is going to be awake for a certain amount of time. A six-month-old baby is going to be awake for so much longer. And it's really important for parents to be able to transition through these changes and know what's coming rather than it being that they've lost any schedule that they've had and then trying to rein it all back in again. Babies' routines change quickly and their needs change quickly. So one week, your six-week-old may have managed to stay awake for an hour between naps and then the following week, it'll be 90 minutes. So it changes fast. That's what makes it so hard. You think you've nailed something and then they like go up a level. Like that's why I always felt with the kids that, you know, they'd go down for a nap, funnily enough, given that we're talking about naps. And it was like they'd level up in a computer game and they'd wake up and suddenly all the things that I'd been doing weren't working anymore. (laughs) Just when parents are starting to build their confidence and think that they've got it, that's when those little people decide to change it all. Rascals. That actually brings us quite neatly, though, to the third thing that you need to know, which is when not to nap, which as much as it's important to get a baby to nap at the right time, it's also 
really important to wake them up from naps to keep to a bit of a routine and also obviously the closer you get to bedtime I know this goes against every fiber of your sleep depleted body but if you let baby sleep for too long during the day they are more likely to wake up more at night so again you know timings of naps really do differ with the age and how many naps you have in a day differs as well so a newborn will typically sleep between each and every feed but then by eight to 12 weeks you'll be aiming for sort of four clear naps the key nap at any stage is the final nap so if you're aiming say for a 6 30 7 o'clock bedtime the final nap is going to be roughly 4 30 to 5 30 but then over the first few months that you know magical hour that people love at the end of the day is going to drop right back to a strict 20 minutes so it's a huge and then it disappears completely (laughs) and yep and then it's gone forever I think that final nap is a funny one as well because it can seem a bit weird to parents maybe if their kid has had longer naps during the day because often that nap can be pivotal in getting baby to bed because of what we've been talking about that overtiredness like it's like the it's this wee top up that helps them get to bedtime and then actually helps them go to sleep better at bedtime it can it really does and also for a lot of people as that nap progresses they can feel like they're actually spending more time getting baby to sleep than they are then actually asleep for but it is really important because that nap can actually affect the first part of the whole night it's not just bedtime but you can find that at that point where they're just starting to get a little bit trickier about going down if they don't still have that nap you could then have an unsettled baby from seven o'clock till midnight just because they've got overtired before they've gone to bed properly. As a really, really rough guide, you're kind of like, when they're newborn, they're having lots and lots of naps. Then when do you get into the kind of four nap stage? So uh, around about the sort of eight to 12 weeks, then there's going to be four clear naps. And then after the 12 weeks, that's you sort of working towards your three naps. And then post six months, you're dropping down to the scary two nap. (laughs) and then one and then zero (laughs) not for a long time (laughs) but each of those naps is important in its own way each has a role to play and when we come to talk about different routines for different age groups we'll obviously address that yep definitely I can hear is that Guinness no no I don't know child (laughs) (laughs) is that your dog no it's my children Okay, so next we're going to talk about where to nap. That's the fourth thing. We've spoken about having a nap routine, but Sarah, does that mean that you always have to be in the same place? You definitely want consistency, especially if a routine is changing, and try and have one nap in the room that the baby is going to be sleeping in at night. Whenever you're implementing a new schedule or making any changes, then I would always encourage you to stay at home and do that in the room where the baby's going to be sleeping at night. But there is a certain amount of flexibility as well that, you you know, staying in the house is the important thing. So if you wanted to still have baby close to you, then you could have baby either in the room next door or the room where you're playing. Do you think that, you know, the more settled and more consistent you are, the easier it becomes? Definitely. You will feel more comfortable because you know what to expect. And likewise, baby will feel more comfortable because they know what to expect. So they're far more likely to settle easier as they get used to their surroundings. 
and they'll recognize those all important sleep cues and aids coming from you because those things are the same so they're like aha I'm going to bed now I'm going to sleep well that, that's what you hope for anyway <laughs> <laughs> they might not always view it that happily but yes they know what's coming <laughs> and in many ways I think or I believe and I think you do because I've learned I learned from you, you're like Mr. Miyagi, that um, basically by being more established in a routine, that allows you to be flexible because once baby knows what's coming next, whether that's in, in terms of what their day looks like or in terms of those sleep cues and having a routine, then they're more flexible in how that happens. So just because you want to have a one nap, ideally one nap at home during the day, it doesn't mean that you can't not nap on the go. So that's the final thing that we're going to talk about, out and about naps. You can still go out when baby is in a bit of a napping routine. You don't need to miss the class or the party or the couple with friends because these things are just as important to a new parent as getting enough kip, I reckon. They are life and so is a good cup of coffee. I'm absolutely (laughs) powered by caffeine. (laughs) So you have a few guidelines about naps out and about. So the best way to nap when you're out and about is to try and stick to your settling schedule as much as possible. So choose where they're going to nap, first of all. You know, if you're going for a walk, then that's obviously going to be in the pram of the buggy. If you're going to be in the car, then you're going to be settling them in the car seat or you might have them in the sling but always use the same sleep aids so that they are transferring everywhere you go. If that's white noise, make sure that you can either pop that on your phone or a different device so they can listen to it. And if you're not using white noise, you should because it's like the dream maker. (laughs) Or the shush lady. I love a bit of the shush lady. (laughs) (laughs) Is that just a lady going shh, shh, shh? It's a little bit more like shh, shh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) love it I was never quite good enough of that (laughs) you definitely get a sore mouth when you're doing it on your pee yeah (laughs) did you say that's how you shush you get a sore voice or then you might pee (laughs) (laughs) that must have been an internet connection thing I was like you know my pelvic floor is bad and actually shushing could you know (laughs) I see Give me the granny like, please. <laughs> no, I said something like, yeah, when you're shushing on your peat, you definitely get a oh. sore mouth. So <laughs> finding the shush lady on YouTube was a godsend. <laughs> so it must have been repeat. Oh, that's <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Right. Sorry. So uh, using white noise, um, as well as white noise, do you need to try and make sure it's pretty dark when baby goes to sleep? Obviously harder, depending on where you're going out and about. It's a bonus if you've got a pram that has an extendable canopy that can dim things, but it's not essential. Um, the more you do out and about naps once you've established naps, then the better baby will be at dropping off. The other really key thing, though, comforters so if you've got a comforter at home you need to have multiple comforters identical comforters so that you can take can keep one in the pram or one in the car seat and have one in the car at home and it's really really important though that if you are using a comforter that you always take it with you but a lot of babies will actually develop an attachment to their swaddle so the um, large swaddling blankets which are the breathable material 
some babies will transition to actually using that as a comforter or their cot blankets. And obviously a a dummy is a comforter too. And a dummy is definitely a comforter, yeah. It can basically be anything that that baby chooses. I think I told you about the baby that I looked after once who decided that his dad's boxer shorts were going to be a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'd love before. to see it. I'd love to see a little kid rocking around with a pair of uh, lines. He was hilarious. And yeah, he, he didn't give up his boxer shorts until the age of four. So. Oh, that is so adorable there are questions but you know whatever whatever floats your boat baby whatever makes you sleep I think I think that is is the overarching thing that we want to help parents that you know sometimes you've just got to do what works and if it's a pair of boxers it's a pair of boxers so they've got their comforter or their boxers with them it's darkish and it's about the time they would normally go to sleep so far so much like at home But I think it's important to mention that a kip out and about is likely to be a wee bit less restful for baby than one at home. It will. I mean, they're likely to sort of cut their naps if you're on the go slightly shorter. Uh, They won't necessarily go into such a deep sleep. So they might not have a full nap when you're on the move. So um, a baby who would generally at home link two or three sleep cycles together, when you're on the move, they may only go through one sleep cycle. So you do have to be up for adapting the rest of your day slightly to compensate for Mm -hmm. that. In the same way as adults, you're going to have a much better sleep in at home in your bed than you are on a train or in a car, even if you're knackered, just because you kind of have one ear open all the time. If you have a couple of days where you have lots of naps out and about, it's better to kind of have a few at home just to kind of reestablish routine, would you say? Yeah, it's good to get a balance. So you don't obviously want to be out and about every day for every nap. You know, the odd full day out is going to happen. You know, we've all been caught out when we've gone for a coffee with friends and ended up staying till dinner time. So, you know, don't cut these things short. Not me. I'm schedule queen. I'm like, no, I've got to go home for a nap because I need that time. I protect nap times at home like a loon. I am like, I need to be at home. I'm leaving. I'm going. (laughs) I think, you know, if if there is anything that I would tell my former parenting self, it's that not to worry too much because baby can catch up on sleep the next day or later on. If you're out and about and say an out and about nap doesn't happen or, or they have a rubbish one and none of those things will create unwanted sleep habits baby just might be a bit more tired and I think it's just always I think that always played on my mind that I was like oh you know if they have a rubbish nap now then that's going to affect bedtime and that's going to affect nighttime sleep and I need sleep I need sleep yeah and I think it's just really important to reassure parents at this point that you know you can have a completely crap day you can have a day where everything goes out the window but you can get back on track Each week, we'll put one of your questions to Sarah, and it will always be about the topic that we're chatting about. So this week, talking about naps, here is a question from Ailey. Hi, Kat and Sarah. I really hope you can help. I'm struggling at the moment. My baby just will not nap anywhere apart from sleeping on me. He won't even settle on his dad. It has to be mummy. As much as I love him and as much as I love the baby snuggles, I'm totally wiped out and I need a break. I can't get anything done around the house through the day 
And I also don't feel like he's napping properly because he gets disturbed so easily when I move or, you know, anything else like that. Please help. Thank you. Oh, it's so hard. Um, you just sound done in, which is completely understandable. If you have got a little toot that is sleeping on you for all their naps, you're not going to get anything done. And you're also going to feel super touched out. And genuinely a little bit frustrated with your wee one, which isn't a nice feeling, but comfortable given the situation. So there's a few pointers. First of all, have a little think about your 24-hour period. Um, start to write things down, keep a note of things so that you can start to be a little bit more consistent with your approach. And as you write things down, you will see that there is a natural schedule in there. It might not be exactly what you want and it might not be identical every day, but you'll start to see as you write things down over a sort of three to five day period, you'll start to see that the morning nap is roughly at the same time. Then there's a bit of a wait time and then there's maybe another nap and then there's a third nap. You know, you, you will see a little pattern. And so then what I want you to think about is the sleep cues that we've talked about earlier in this podcast. You know, have a little think about what your wee one is doing right before they're ready to go for that sleep. And when you see those signs, that's when I want you to think about where you're going to put them to sleep. So have your bed set up, have your carry cot ready to go, your pram, or if you're going to be out and about in the car, just be ready to go with that as soon as you see those sleep cues so that you're then, instead of letting him settle on you, you're actually going to get him to settle in the place that you want him to stay asleep. Now, for the first few days, it's not going to happen instantly. You are going to have to Think about the environment and be super, super consistent with it. So always putting them down in the same place. You know, we have covered it earlier on in this podcast about being consistent when you're making any changes to a schedule and routine. So for the next few days, stay home, think about your schedule, think about the environment and get him down for proper deep sleeps in a proper setup, safe environment. And both of you will start to feel a million times better. It can be hard to break through that though, can't it? Because at first, because it feels so hard, those you kind of want to give up. Um, have you got any advice for, for breaking through that wall? So really do try and be consistent for the three to five days. If you've got that in mind, if you think, okay, I'm going to start this on Monday and I'm not going to see an improvement until Friday, that can really help you be determined. And also the more times you do it, the better. So if you decide that you're only going to do one nap and a cot a day, then it is going to take slightly longer for that transition period to actually be ingrained. Whereas if you're doing three in the cot in a day, then you're going to get the end result much quicker. I think quite often when we make a decision about wanting things to change, we expect it to happen immediately. And you can be a bit disparaged by not changing quickly at all and these things taking time. So I guess perseverance is a really hard thing, particularly if your baby's sad or crying or, you know, you want to just go back to doing the snuggly thing because it felt easier but I guess knowing that you have made that commitment and that you know this is about making a long-term decision that is good for you and your baby yeah definitely I think you know the three sort of um golden words I suppose are perseverance consistency and schedule if you can keep all that in mind and then use the three to five day rule then it can keep you strong to see things through to the end. And what, what if things aren't better in five days? 
there's no one rule for everyone. So if it hasn't worked for you in the five days, then things do need a slight tweak. So you would want to go back and look at the routine that you set for yourself. You know, it might be something within that 24-hour period that really needs to be changed. So that's when you really want to read the book. So that's five things about baby naps. I hope it helped. Naps really do save lives. And because they're such a big deal, we'd really appreciate it if you spread the word. Tell your parenting friends about our podcast, send them the link, write us a lovely review. We would appreciate it as much as a Sunday lion. Sarah and I have also written a book together, so keep your hopefully less tired eyes peeled for Sleep Better Baby, the essential stress-free guide to sleep for you and your baby. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on our website, thesleepmums.co.uk and on the social channels, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok at The Sleep Mums. Look after yourselves and sleep soon. <laughs>